Good morning. We have our scripture reading from John 19, 25 through 27 this morning. But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her into his own home. We've been looking at the last words of Jesus on the cross as we're leading up to Easter. There are seven sayings over the four Gospels um, that sum up uh, Jesus' earthly ministry. You know, history records famous last words. History records the last words of politicians, of uh, great entertainers, of celebrities. It records the last words of military people. It records the last words of great thinkers. And very often, those words spoken in death are very clear reflections of what that person's life was about. And, and that is also true of the words spoken by Jesus on the cross. No one ever said on their deathbed, I wish I'd spent more time at work. No one ever said on their deathbed, you know, if I just had a few more hours to work on a project or two, I really would have felt like I had accomplished something. I could have done just a little bit more. But if anyone could have said that about their work, it would have been Jesus. But here on the cross... In his final hours, we find that his heart is focused on his friends and his heart is focused on his family, just as ours would be in that time. And I hope, I hope we don't miss that in a very special way, his heart is focused on us. A text that Susie read for us this morning, thank you very much, Susie, is in John chapter 19, just verses 25 through 27, if you Take a look at those Bibles we provide for you. It's on page 900 and, uh, 905. And you hear those words. We can only imagine the anguish that Jesus was going through. We can only imagine the, the terror that he was experiencing. The pain was, was indescribable. And yet, what do we see in his compassion? We see compassion for his friend, the disciple whom he loved, which we know is, is John. We see the compassion he had for his mother, who had invested so much of her life in him and was now standing by watching him die. But what we also see in this little exchange, what we see here isn't just for John, it isn't just for Mary, it's for all of us. As we, as we come to the cross, as we as we come to the cross, we, we come together. And we find ourselves thrown into relationships with one another that, that otherwise we wouldn't have. And we're, we're related to one another simply because we are connected to Jesus. It's in Luke chapter 18 that Jesus says to His disciples, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brother or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come, eternal life. That bond 
happens to us through the cross. And it calls us not just to acknowledge each other as brother and sister, but it calls us to bless each other. You can't mistake it. It's, it's not just there for John and Mary. The reality is the cross connects us all. And we look at the 12 apostles. Got an odd bunch of people there. I mean, they're, they're fishermen. John is best friends of fishermen. His brother James is a fisherman. Peter and Andrew are fishermen. So you've got, a, you've got fishermen there. You've got a tax collector in that group who would have been hated by everybody. And then you have a political revolutionary of some sort in that group also. You've got a guy who, I hate to compare him to Rush Limbaugh, but that might be close. You know, that's, that's the kind of person we're, we're looking at there and with that, uh, with that particular individual. These are, these are men who normally wouldn't have anything to do with each other, who, who wouldn't be related to each other, who wouldn't, who wouldn't communicate with one another, and yet all of a sudden, because of the cross, they are together. They are one because of the cross. And they spend three years of their lives working together and traveling together. They spend the rest of their lives building something new with no other bond than that of Jesus Christ. And then we come to the book of Acts, and we see the birth of the church. And what do we see there? We see merchants. We see people like Lydia, a merchant. We see tent makers like Paul and Priscilla and Aquila. We see military leaders. We see doctors like Luke. We see lawyers. We see religious leaders. And again, all thrown together with no other bond than that of Jesus Christ. No other bond than the cross. Now, what do we read about them? Acts chapter 4, verse 32 says, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. They had to have everything in common because as Jesus had told them, no one who has left homes or families or parents or children to follow him would fail to receive that much more in this life and in the life to come, eternal life. And then we come to us. We're kind of a ratty bunch kind of a ragtag bunch here at Kansas Christian Church. A few weeks ago, we were in men's group. We were at, at, at men's night, and we're sitting around the table having a great discussion at men's night. We're going through some stuff with the, uh, with the Duck Dynasty guys. It's called Faith Commander. It's really great. And if, you know, Guys, if you, if you can be there on, on Tuesday nights, every other Tuesday night at 6.30, it's a great time together. But we're at men's night, and I look across the table from me, and there... Sitting across the table is Doug Davis. Now, Doug and Judy are on vacation right now. They'll be back in a couple of weeks. But there's Doug Davis sitting across the table from me. Doug, I don't know how many of you know Doug. Doug is a nuclear physicist. I can't even tell if I'm pronouncing nuclear right. Maybe it's nuclear. I don't know. But Doug's sitting across the table from me, a nuclear physicist, and he's sitting next to uh, Rick Arwine. And Rick is not a nuclear physicist, are you? Not even close, nowhere. And you know what they're doing? They're laughing together. They're telling stories together. They, they are bringing out insights of the text together. And when there's a need in this church, you know what they'll do? They will serve together, side by side, with no other connection 
than the cross of Jesus Christ. You know, we're not connected because we go to the same church. We're not connected because a lot of us live in the same town. We're connected through the cross. We could change towns. We could change churches. We can't change crosses. There's only one. We're stuck with each other. Whether you want to admit it or not, we are stuck with each other. It holds us together now and for all eternity. You know, Paul kind of builds on that idea in Ephesians chapter 2. In just a few verses in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 14 through 18, Paul says of Jesus, For he himself, for Jesus himself, is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, and so making peace. And he might reconcile us both to God in one body, that is the church, through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. There's a lot of stuff to take in in that little passage. That passage specifically uh, is about the relationships of the Jews and the Gentiles, something that we talked about in my Sunday school class a little bit this morning. There was a real wall of hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles. It was a real physical wall in the temple that said, Jews can go here, Gentiles can't. Jews can get closer to God, Gentiles cannot. And it kept them apart from one another. Paul says that that wall of hostility has now been broken down. That wall has been destroyed in the cross. And the goal, God's goal, was to make one new man out of the two. One united people. And that's the basis of who we are today. That's who we are together. We are connected through the cross. And because of that connection, we also know that the cross calls us to responsibility to one another. The cross calls us to responsibility. There's a big news story this week, I guess. I'm not sure if you saw this. I read it on the internet a couple of different places. There's this big news story, and, and it just caused me to shake my head. The news story, the, the headline that I saw said, Jesus had a brother. Apparently, that was that. That's not grammatically. That's horrible. That's what passes for news these days. Jesus had a brother, and I'm not sure how they missed it because the Bible talks about Jesus' family. It talks about his brothers. He had three brothers. He talks about his his two sisters. The Bible tells us over and over again about Jesus' brothers and, and sisters. And we have in the in the New Testament we have James and Jude. Both of them. Little brothers, not half-brothers, mind you, but little brothers to Jesus who, uh, who wrote two of the letters in the Bible. I don't know if you guys, how many of you are younger siblings? How many of you are, are not the oldest? How many of you are younger siblings? Yeah. I don't know how you would feel about this, but can you imagine having Jesus as a big brother? Can you imagine having a perfect big brother who does everything right. I can't imagine that, but you know some of you might be able to. Can you imagine going over to mom's house and she says, have you heard about your brother? He's the Messiah now. Yes, mom, we all heard Jesus is the Messiah. Did you know he's making wine now? 
It's really good wine, too. He's very good at it. Yes, Mom, we know he's making wine. Jesus was the oldest son in his family. And as the oldest child, he had certain responsibilities to his family. It was the responsibility of the oldest child to take care of the parents in their old age, which is why when Jesus calls one man to come follow him, the man says, I have to go back and bury my father first. Now, that guy's father was not just laying on the floor somewhere. His father was still alive. What he means is it's my responsibility to go back and care for my parents until they're dead. And after I have buried my father, then I can come follow you, Jesus. Jesus was the oldest in his family. That was his responsibility to take care of his mother. Hanging on the cross, it was painfully obvious that he was not going to be able to do that. He was not going to be able to fulfill his duties to his family. Now, I'm sure there are a lot of people who would have been honored to take care of Jesus' mother. They would have considered that an honor. But Jesus asks John. He asks his best friend. He asks someone that he knew he could trust. It's real easy for us to lose ourselves in our problems. It's real easy to lose ourselves in our own pains and our own inconveniences. And we don't always see that there's people around us who are hurting. We don't always see even the very obvious hurt. We don't always see that. And so what can we do? We're called to be a family for one another. We're called to take care of one another. And the reason why Jesus calls us to take care of each other is because he trusts us. He trusts us to do those things. Now, his little brother James did write, a wonderful little letter. And in James chapter 1, verse 27, James wrote this, religion that is pure, religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. What I love about what James says there is he gives us something concrete that we can do for each other. He gives us something specific that we can do. The word that he uses here for to visit, to visit orphans and widows in their distress, it's the same word that Jesus uses in John chapter 20, or in Matthew chapter 25, when he tells the story of the sheep and the goats. And Jesus says, when I was in prison, you visited me. When I was sick, you visited me. You came to me and you visited me. And the, the sheep say, when did we do that? And he says, and as much as you've done this to the very least of these, you have done it to me. It's the cross binding us together, blessing us, making us one. It's been a rough few weeks for us. We've been through some rough stuff. We have, we've all felt it. We've, we've grieved together, and, and we've, we've been strained. And I've got to tell you, as I've said over and over again, the weather has not been helping things, has it? I mean, there's, there's sunshine in my soul today because there's sunshine out there. You know, it's finally picking up and things are looking better. And I think we just all need a little bit of vitamin D and, and we'll feel much better. It's been a rough couple of weeks. This past Wednesday, I was sitting in the office getting some work done and my phone chirps. And it was Andy Fluky. And uh, Andy, Andy sent me, that woke Andy up right there. <laughs> Andy sends me this text message. And all it said was, are you okay? That was it. 
said, hey, are you okay? And I texted back real quick, and I said, man, I am trying to be okay. I, you know, okay would be great right now. I'm, I'm working on it. And Andy asked, he said, you know, I didn't get an email from you on Tuesday, um, and I was worried that maybe something was wrong. And I said, well, I was, Tuesday I was in Indianapolis at the National Preaching Summit, learn, learning how to do this. Um, and uh, so I didn't get a chance to get the email out. And Andy responded, and he said, I know you have been very busy lately. Let me know if I can be of any assistance. You know what that meant to me? You know how great that was just to get a text like that? How hard was that? It couldn't have been that difficult. And how hard would it be to pick up a phone every now and then? Maybe you're a texter, maybe you're not, but just to text, are you okay? Or maybe what we need to do is send texts and say, I'm not okay. <laughs> Today's not an okay day. How easy would that be? There's always going to be opportunities we miss. There's always going to be screw-ups. And there's always going to be hurt feelings because of those opportunities that we miss. And I've seen those hurt feelings paralyze churches before, where they don't do anything. I refuse to be paralyzed by the negative. I will not let those missed opportunities paralyze us. There, there is so much good happening here. And you know, time and again, we bring a need to you. Uh, someone in the community, maybe someone out of the community, but we bring a need to you and, and boom, something uh, it gets taken care of. Something happens. People are helped. And you go back to James, and, and what James shows us right there is that we are doing something right. We are doing good. And, and I'm always going to challenge you. I'm always going to challenge you because I know we can do better. I know we can always do better. But we are blessed to know that, that we are served. Blessed to know that needs are being met. And we will be blessed as we do better. That's what it comes down to. Not just that we're connected. Not just that we have a responsibility to each other. But what it comes down to is that the cross promises blessing. For all of us. John concludes this portion and, and concludes this story, and he simply says, From that hour, the disciple took her into his home. That's all he has to say. From that hour, the disciple took her to his home. Church history tells us that John went to Ephesus and had a house there and had a church there that he, that he was serving in Ephesus. And that Mary went with him. Church history says that she may have died there in Ephesus in the care, in the care of her son's best friend, in the care of one who had become a son to her. And I don't want you to miss that. Jesus does not say to John, John, take care of my mom. Jesus says to his mother, woman, actually dear woman don't hear that so abruptly he means dear woman behold your son and then he says to John behold your mother he changed their relationship and he bound them together as a family again Luke 18 truly I say to you there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers, or parents, or children, for the sake of the kingdom of God, who will not receive many times more in this time, in this age, and in the age to come, eternal life. There's 
the blessing. Family here. Relationships here. All united in the cross. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul emphasizes what really matters. And, and Paul's words, amazingly enough, echo what James had to say. As, as Jews and Gentiles came together for the first time, there were class differences among them. Those were reflections of, of things that, class differences that were in society, but those class differences came into the church. And so Paul had to tell the Galatians in Galatians chapter 5, verse 6, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. Neither being a Jew counts for anything, nor being a Gentile counts for anything, but only, get this, but only faith working through love. You can try to put your hope in so many things, but if it's not that, if it's not faith working through love, it doesn't matter. It has no effect on you or anyone else, and it has no hope, and it has no blessing. It's another one of those amazing truths that we learn from that verse in Galatians. One of the amazing truths we learn from that little verse in Galatians is, get this, it's not about me. You know? For the Jews, it was all about me. It's about what I had done. You know, I'd been circumcised. I was brought up right. I was taught the law of Moses. I was raised right. I was taught obedience. And that makes me better than you. For the first time, those coming to God suddenly realize it's not about me and what I've done and how obedient I've been. It's about you. It's about the way I love you. It's about my faith expressing itself through my love for you. In other words, I can be an okay Christian on my own. I can do all right. But I can't be the best follower of Jesus I can be without you, without the opportunity to love you. That's what makes us whole. That's what makes us one. We can only know this blessing together. I don't know if any of us could fully appreciate this event from Mary's perspective. There she is in the most gut-wrenching moment that any parent could endure, watching the, watching the agonizing death of her son on a cross. There's her little boy, the one she carried, the one she nursed, one she taught to walk, taught to talk. He's hanging on that cross. His arms are nailed in place. His feet are nailed to hold him up. Crown of thorns on his head, blood. And from the, from the whipping that he's received, his bones have been laid bare. You can see his bones. When Jesus was born, and he was circumcised. You remember what the, the prophet Simeon had said? He said, you know, this one is destined to cause the rise and falling of many in Israel. And then he said to Mary, and a sword will pierce your heart. That's what she was feeling in that moment. A sword piercing her heart. It, it was heartbreaking to watch. And yet there's her son 
bearing the sins of the world in his body. And what does he do? He looks down and he sees his mother alone and in need. And he sees his best friend who he's always been with. And he reaches out and he takes care of both of them. He makes sure that they together have a family. And the most amazing part to me was there on the cross, He saw your need too. He saw our need. He knew your pain. He knew your loneliness. He knew your hurt. And He made sure that you were provided for by making sure that you were connected to us. It's all He had to work on. Sorry. <laughs> he made sure that you were provided for. He gave us each other. There are people here who are hurting. There are people here who are lonely. There are people here who are in pain. Some of them are dealing with the loss of friends and, and loved ones. And every now and then, every now and then they're not okay. And it's okay to not be okay. Because we have each other. Some are dealing with, with big losses. And, and you and I are here because through the cross, Jesus has connected us. Through the cross, Jesus has given us a responsibility. We are here to be a blessing. We are here to make sure that they know that they are never alone. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. That's not just about you and me. That's about the cross. The only thing that counts is faith working through love. If that's just a carpenter dying because he said some crazy things that ticked the Romans off, then it means nothing. But it's faith working through love. You come to this table, and if it's just some little crumbly pieces of bread and some little tiny glasses full of juice, then that's all it is. But it's faith working through love we recognize Christ in that. There's a potluck going to happen in the other room pretty soon. Now that potluck, okay, it's pretty good. I can't wait. But if it's just about the food, then it's just a potluck. And you can go up to the junction or you can go to Charleston or you, know, you can go beat the Baptist to the buffet if you want. I don't care. It's about faith working through love. And it's about a connection that we have to one another for no other reason than that we all belong to Him. I hope everybody knows that. I hope we recognize that connection. And I hope we know peace because of that connection. Let's pray and then we're going to sing. Father, there have been so many times when maybe in our pride or, or even in, in, our, in our lack. We have made it about us as individuals. And over and over again in Your Word, You tell us it's about the cross. And it's about Jesus. And it's about what He does when He binds us together. Lord, we, we thank You for Your love. We thank You that You showed us that through the cross. 
And now through the cross, we pray for opportunities to show that love to one another. Lord, there's people here today who desperately need to know your presence. And they're not going to feel that just because we hand them a cracker or a cup. They're going to know that because we reach out and say, are you okay? Lord, we want to be people who truly honor you, who truly understand what this cross is all about. It wasn't just about Mary and it wasn't just about John. It was about the way we we're all connected. And we come to the table today to remind ourselves of that connection. Lord, we are one in you. We want to be used by you. We want everyone to know your peace and your presence and your love. And so, Lord, as we come to the table, we don't just take the bread and take the cup. We come and share. We come and do this together as one. Lord, we seek blessings not just for ourselves, for each other. I thank you for the way you love us. I thank you that we get to love one another through you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.